When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. D-O-I in apostrophe I-T-W-I-T H-T-A-N-N-Y And J-E-N-N-Y Doing it with Danny and Jenny God. Every time I hear it, I hear just another nuance. It's like listening to Dark Side of the Moon, you know? It's yeah. just like just you hear different things. Thank you, Eli Braden, for yes, that. Yes, thank you all. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Every It's like listening to Whitney Houston sing the national anthem. Oh, yeah, I didn't care for that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, the... Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. It's always hard to live up to that theme song, but I, I think we're going to do it this week. I think we are, too. I got us a great guest. You did. You nailed this one. I really did. Some of them have been real stinkers. I mean, we've had some garbage, absolutely. But you know, you know how I've been watching all the Marvel movies. I do. It's all you talk about. I know. I'm obsessed with it. So to have an agent of Shield. I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, he's done other things. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I mean, come on, everyone is Clark Gregg. Great Clark Gregg. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Big fan. Thank you for having us. Oh, no one ever says that. Thank you for that. No, I've been listening to the pod. You are both well known to me, partly because I think we have some friends in common. Bill Rubel is a very good friend. Yes, I know. He talks about you all the time to the point where we, it's almost a drinking game. Oh, no. And and also, I don't know if you'll remember this because it was several years back, but your wife, I met your wife and you. Um, in person at Victor Fresco's uh, um, uh, 4th of July party. That's right. At, at one point. So we had met there and I was always like, you were. She has changed her name to my ex-wife. Oh, I, oh mine too, by the way. <laughs> I so, know, I know. I heard about, the I heard about I brought, that the, the, the wife I brought is my ex-wife. to depart. Yeah, you know, no, without your Emmys. Yeah. That's why, I'm, that's why I have no Emmys behind me. I'm going with the story that she took them. Oh, she took a Any research will prove that that's not true. <laughs> I, yeah, my ex and I are actually, we are much closer now than we were in our last years of marriage. It's very bananas. So, Super same. Yeah, it, it's, really? it's like you want to get along. There's just a legal procedure you need to do. Yeah, and, it, it, and we just are doing, yeah, it's it's really fun. But you guys were all, I was really, like both of you were really, I have uh, I, I had three kids and I have twin daughters and we hadn't diagnosed her yet, although we thought, but one of my twins was on the spectrum and a little bit like, a, a, a little bit like kind of spacey and some people don't warm up, didn't warm up to her right away. 
Um, and both of you guys were like really kind to my daughter. So it was like, I, I, I think about um, when you come up or your ex comes up, I, I have nothing but fond thoughts for you. So that's good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, Thanks for not being really glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's just start with where are you from? How'd you get started acting? When did you start? Let's give you, give me your origin story, your villain yes. origin story. Um, uh, my dad is a minister and a professor from the Houston area. Oh, really? That's awesome. uh, yes. And, uh, and he was a, a chaplain at a boarding school in Newport, Rhode Island when I was little and born and in various grad schools, but I moved a lot of places um, Rhode Island, Boston, Philly, Chicago. And then I settled in North Carolina for most of high school. And um, so I kind of call that home. And then I moved to New York when I was 19. And uh, did you always want to act? I mean, was that something was, did you know? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I always wanted attention. Um, <laughs> that was clear. That's been made very clear to me. And um, <laughs> me too. Well, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> That's we have exactly so much in common. I didn't care. You know, I was less picky about, you know, how that might come. Yeah. Um, I moved to New York in 82 because I was in a little school in Ohio uh, getting in too much trouble where I'd gone to play soccer essentially and I had broken my thumb I was a goalie and oh. I auditioned for a play wow and I, got, and I got in it and um and the director this English woman said you should you know you should go to New York and so I dropped out and I went to New York but I mostly went to New York because I kind of wanted to go see the bands that I was hearing the talking heads fellow gang of four the you know I, it's so funny yeah because i was there, I, you know, I was in new york I, I graduated high school in 82 i grew up in jersey outside of there and like i saw all of those bands there and i, I remember getting a fake id and going to cbgb's so um yeah <laughs> you know i think we had similar experiences probably exactly and that's why i went there and after a year of working as a guard at the guggenheim museum and starting <laughs> wait you were a guard at the guggenheim I was. I was. <laughs> and I learned a lot about art, but I also learned a lot about standing up for a lot of hours and getting bored. <laughs> and uh, at a, and then uh, I, at a certain point, I, was, I said, you know, I, I did those two plays. Maybe I, I had been told that if I could, if you could get past the audition to get into Tisch at NYU, they would overlook perhaps what had happened in Ohio. <laughs> many, many spectrums. <laughs> that's what happened and I ended up uh, at NYU that's oh, amazing wow. at the Tisch School mm -hmm. oh, that... and, and I was a confused uh, confused skillless actor at the at first in this circle in the square a very eclectic program and I was confused and then a pal of mine who had been in my punk band in Ohio uh, oh. the famous squares the pride of Sandusky Valley and <laughs> Mary McCann, she had gone on a summer workshop with uh, a young playwright named David Mamet and oh, a, wow. and his young uh, actor friend, uh, William H. Macy. Jesus. She came back and said, these guys, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have their, their very balls out. You'll pardon me. I, I forgot to ask if I'm allowed to say balls fuck out. Yeah, yeah you can say fucking whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I ended up in a very cool class with some terrific actors and some friends and we formed a company and uh and really just were kind of a quasi marxist collective wow. fighting and crossing intimacy boundaries with each other in chicago vermont and new york for about 10 years 
Oh, wow. That's amazing. Do you, do you, do you, uh, you uh, going back to your dad, I, I, I always view like preachers as, um, the, you know, there, the, I, I, there's a, there's a, there's a line between being a good preacher, I think, and being good stand up or being a performer. There's a, there's a performer element. So it's not, there's a showbiz element to it. Did you find that you, you were drawing on at least like getting in front of people and commanding? Oh, yeah. I was wondering if that, if you've ever made that connection. Yeah, my dad does a, he gives a mean sermon and they they would get some laughs and he had a real ability that way. It didn't, I mean, so much of everything else I was interested in and doing in New York seemed the polar opposite. It took me a while. I think he went on to become the Dean of the Chapel at Stanford University. Oh, and wow. I was back there years later watching him give a sermon and I went, okay, okay. I see where there's a connection here. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a it's a pretty straight line from a sermon to like the um, coffee is for closers monologue, you know. And it, going back to Babbitt, but it's like it's it, it, they all feel it feels of a piece. So so uh, what was the big break? I mean, what was the thing where it's like I can make a living at this? You know, I, I'm uh, <laughs> I feel like it's still coming. I'm, yeah, I <laughs> you know, but I. That company, I mean, the, the fun thing, our mutual friend, the terrific um, TV comedy writer, Bill Rubel, he was a member and uh, uh, someone who was involved at Lincoln Center Theater, our theater company, they they foolishly made me the artistic director at a certain point. <laughs> it just meant I was the one who was going to get the most abuse at the company meetings. Sure. And, um, but at a certain point, people said, "You've this sucks. You suck at this. We're not doing any plays. You moved us from Chicago back to New York. We can't afford to do anything. We never get to act. And uh, I had a chip on my shoulder. It's, it's still there. And <laughs> I so I said, okay, fine. We're going to go to Vermont. We're going to do eight plays in eight weeks. And one of the plays was this wonderful play by another terrific TV writer named Howard Corder um, and a wonderful playwright. And I got him and another great writer, Craig Lucas. I said, they had these plays that hadn't been People have been circling, but no one had put up. Yeah. Said, I'm up to need. Let us do it in Vermont. Yeah. And let us do it in Montpelier, Vermont. We'll wow. fly you up on what we then called People's Express. And, and if you like it, maybe you can, you know, man up and let us do it in New York. And uh, both of those, Macy directed the this play Boy's Life and I was in it. And wow. he gave us permission to do it in New York. And we did not have enough money to pull that off. And the, the, the bills were coming due and we were about to lose the theater. And then uh, Gregory Mosier, who was running Lincoln Center Theater, they lost a show wow. in rehearsals because the writer and the director were no longer speaking. And um, um, and they, I got this call saying, <laughs> this hilarious call saying, we're in a bind. I saw that production in, in Vermont. Can we move your Atlantic Theater Company, no name theater company production here into the Mitzi Newhouse at Lincoln Center? <laughs> When I realized it was not a prank call, um, yeah. that's what turned us all equity. Got a bunch of us, you know, representat representation. Wow. And just 38 years later. <laughs> oh. Wow. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's those, those series of little accidents in the beginning. I mean, it's, you know, there is obviously a lot of luck that goes into it, but, you know, it's just when you get your chance, be good, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. uh, At what uh, point did you then move from theater to 
TV selling out. movies. Yeah, <laughs> selling out. Yeah, that's still going on. I'm still looking <laughs> for the opportunities. Yeah. Please, the post-COVID sellout, it's all I want. Can I, I sell out extra hard before the strike? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I started, you know, there was, I started coming out to the exotic land of Hollywood, but I think the first time I came here, I was 30. And I had some friends I didn't know my way around. I had a Thomas guide. The kids will know that that's like GPS in a very large, bulky folder. <laughs> and um, But I would go back and forth. Yeah. Um, you know, in desperation and, uh, and, uh, I guess that was the, I had done, I'd done, a, uh, the original production of a few good men on Broadway. Uh-huh. And at the end of that, I did that for a year and a half. That was the, what now is known as the Kevin Bacon part. And, um, <laughs> at the end of that time, I had enough money to go spend some months there. And it was a kind of gradual thing, uh, back and forth. One of the times when I was most, not getting auditions and lonely in Venice. I I nursed a a long held terror terrified attempt to try to write something, and I started writing some screenplays, and, and one of them nearly got made. Um, one of them nearly got made, and wow. I had a meeting with some actresses before that company went belly up. They were going to let me direct it, and one of the actresses I met with was Jennifer Grey. Wow. We both were dating other people, but I think, I don't know, two, three game parties later, we yeah. ended up together <laughs> as a result of that. But they sent that script around as a writing sample. And through, again, great luck, uh, some, Nina Jacobson, the amazing wow. producer, yeah. said, look, I'm never going to make this weird movie you wrote, but it's a, <laughs> it's a decent writing sample. And we have this ghost movie that's not really... We're at a loss with what to do with it. And I was about to drive across country after directing a play of Mammoths. And by Nebraska, I had an idea about what I might do with this thing. And for some, I just got so lucky. And Robert Zemeckis walked in and said, I kind of want to make a kind of a Hitchcocky ghost movie. And I had just turned in the first draft. And they handed that to him. And he's a mensch. And he was like, I want to do this. And I, I want you to be the one to rewrite it. He didn't fire me and bring in his team. He Wow was patient and taught me a lot a lot a lot of things and kept me around and and then I was a screenwriter for a while you want to tell what that movie was that movie was called what lies beneath yeah. <laughs> there you go nearly, with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer yeah, we all point. know I just want I, yeah. I, it's, it's, that movie never cool. got made it's still in development so it's <laughs> it satisfying an end of that story you're, you're still rewriting it like you'll get there yeah. Oh my God! I mean, I, I I have two movies I've sold that will never see the air and <laughs> the light of day. So I've never had one produced. So I feel you. No, I'm good. I'm a good failed pilot writer. I sell them like crazy. Do you remember like the first <laughs> the first thing like like were you first like on uh, uh was your first appearance on either the big or the little screen? What were those things? Were they did yeah. you go the commercial? Um, yeah, or? yeah. Uh, after that play. Was it after a few uh, I think it was after, no, it was before. After Boy's Life, there was a, a casting director um, who took a, you know, took an interest, I guess. And she put me in the deep ensemble of this, this guy, Roland Joffe had just made The Killing Fields. Right. And yeah. the amazing director. And he made this movie called Fat Man and Little Boy. About the bomb. Atomic bomb with Paul Newman. Yep, I remember. He had a small part as Paul Newman's attache, but suddenly I was in 
You're in a Paul Newman movie. Mexico. Yeah, you're. <laughs> I was in Mexico it. with John Cusack and John McGinley and Paul Newman and Bonnie Bedelia and having this amazing adventure uh, with all these actors in Mexico. Wow. Was that a pinch me moment for you? I mean, or were you like, had you been working long enough that you were just like, let's do the work or? I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I was really kind of scared a lot. They'd all done yeah. a lot of movies and I kind of wasn't even- Were you sure. able to like enjoy the moment? Cause like, I feel sometimes I don't enjoy the moment. Like I'm just looking to the next thing or I'm like. Yes, I mean, <laughs> one of those moments that I think of and I cringe so much is there was a really busy walk and talk through a hospital as maybe John Cusack had been, um, nuked by accident and I remember I just was so afraid I was going to screw up the timing and someone would yell at me that I got through the traffic and said the line in the right place and I got to the end and I was like yes so happy overdoing the most mundane thing and I looked and like two or three of the really cool actors were looking at me like oh my god oh god <laughs> it is blocking and he went yes I was just a theater guy who was confused <laughs> That's that's really amazing and very relatable. I think it's like that that kind of like unbridled joy. You still break out in a little embarrassment sweat. Yeah, I, I well, thank you for sharing that cringy moment with us. <laughs> so, what was what has been your favorite thing that you've done? What's your favorite role? No, that's a hard I question. Mean, it's... Or some of your favorite roles. You don't have to narrow it down to one. No, I'm sorry. I should really have a good answer for that. The amount of fun, I mean, I was really, I get the call I got to play. I, I loved comic books when I was a kid. So, and I saw them putting together this incredible cast yeah. for Iron Man. And I was like, God, I can't wait to see that. And then they said, well, they've got John, this, I knew John a little bit from Temple. And um, <laughs> he was in the neighborhood, and Favreau. And he, they said, he's got a little part. I don't think he has a name, it's like, you know, four or five lines. And I was like, oh, look at this cast. I'm just going to get cut out. And I'm going to have that thing that had already happened a couple of times where people are like, I saw the movie. What did you do? You know, and I, was like, I didn't think I could take another one of those. It's so humiliating. Um, but I loved it so much. And, uh, and I signed up. And then they just kept adding stuff. And there was a really, I mean, I got the great good fortune of acting with Robert Downey, who yeah. kind of just turns everything. He makes everybody better around him. Yeah. And started riffing a little bit and I'm going to riff a little back. I mean, until they fire me right. and pretty soon he had more and more scenes and, and then more movies. And then I was dead and then I was not so dead. And all of a sudden it was kind of 10 years of geeking out. And, uh, and to be a part of that. And that was something because it, it, it was the next question for me in that world. You were a fan of this kind of material growing up. Like you would. Get I thought I was a real big fan until I met the real big fans. Yeah, until you went to comic. I had some things I dug, but I definitely moved into sci-fi and stuff at a certain point in high school. Yeah. That's what that was. That was where I lived. Was in sci-fi more than the comic books. But uh, what how, what what have the experiences with the fans been? I mean, I know yeah. like not just the not people who watch Marvel movies and watch Marvel TV shows, but the people who are like, you know, uh, this is not canon. Or do you have you had yeah. those moments with people? I mean, it's funny you say that. There's a lot of those moments going on right now. On what? Well, there's a there was a first when I first. When Iron Man first came out, there was a little bit, it was all early days of MCU. Yeah. Um, Marvel Cinematic Universe to anyone. Any, and yeah. um, But there was some anger. Like there are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in the comics. Who is this Coulson? He didn't exist. 
They had invented him. And I was like, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get, shut up. And get me killed off. And I, I don't, I joined Twitter because my ex was on Dancing with the Stars and yeah. I wanted to help her win. And I, and I, then I was on there seeing all these people who wanted to get me killed off. And then they put out a comic and I was in that, which was doubly fantastic because A, I wanted to die, B, they yeah. made me handsome. So Tripoli and also <laughs> C, kind of in, ensured some longevity. Yeah. I'm canon, motherfucker. And when I got killed off, there was this, I mean, they, you know, the look, you're going to, I'd been there finally. They, I had the character had become big enough that they actually had me at Comic Con on wow. the panel for Thor. And I'm sitting there backstage, and Marvel runs, runs Comic Con and does fun stuff for the fans like nobody else. Yeah. It's back there, and Joss Whedon came in with, like, oh my God, <laughs> this has to be Avengers. <laughs> and, he, and, in, and, in, and I was like a fan of Joss Whedon. And then he came over and said, can we introduce you? I'm going to really, I've got really good stuff for you in the Avengers. And I almost just died on the spot. And, um, and that was how I found that out. And then a little while later, I've told the story a bit, but they, oh, I got a call from Kevin Feige, the wonderful head of Marvel saying, listen, Josh wasn't kidding. You have really fun stuff to do in Avengers. And I was like, this is amazing, Kevin. I don't know how to thank you. And he said, yes, what happens to you is what brings the Avengers together. <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> um, but I was so flattered that they thought anyone would care because Coulson had been this kind of snarky bureaucrat to a certain extent with some secrets. And um, and so I was thrilled when people cared that he seemed, <laughs> seemed upset that he died. And, um, and then I went back to my kind of lower profile indie film life and got a call saying we you know disney owns marvel now we think this could be an abc show and uh and then there was the kind of uncomfortable like can this be an abc show how can it work does it cross with the comics and the movies and that was its own very thrilling journey and really fun i loved that cast i loved doing that show and then it ended and um how many seasons yeah it was five seasons of 22. Wow. Well, that's a lot. It was intense. It was intense. It was a lot of bad injuries for people, the stunts and everything. And yeah, you're doing a you movie know, every week. I mean, now, or, you know, and like trying to live up to the expectations. But, you know, the showrunners, Jed Whedon and Marissa Tentro and Whedon, they trying to, at a certain point, really wisely kind of took the parts of Marvel that no one else was using much. Yeah. And, um, and made it their own. But um, now there's a thing where... You know, it's, as you probably know, there's this whole Disney Plus Marvel Universe and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been on Disney Plus. It might still be, but there's a real hot debate. Is yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon? Is Coulson alive in this? Is he dead here? Do they know? And I find it all just really touching that people want to argue about. <laughs> well, it was funny. I'll just say this as a fan, because I do remember, you know, you know, you had a, you had a, you had a, the kind of a small part in Iron Man, but you felt like you, you could feel the slow build of your character throughout these movies. Like you could feel it. You could feel like, oh, now he's getting. You know, there's another line of, you know, and you're, you're, they he would humanize you, and and like so, your death was it was earned. It was like, and and I think the advantage of having like a universe is that you can build on these, like you can really earn your moments. And I think that yeah, That's well put. I feel very fortunate because Kevin and Marvel was very nimble. 
Ludius yeah. was doing. They were very nimble. They they recognized, and the filmmakers they used, Kenneth Branagh and Joss and John Favreau. Yeah. They recognized that there was something this character was doing, which was in a world of superheroes and super agents. This guy was a little bit more us. Yeah. So when he was yeah. killed, all of a sudden there was all these people around the world, weirdly, like hashtag Colson lives. And that's why there was a TV show. So this wow. goes back to the original question. I was I was very lucky to be I was them. I was their avatar. Yeah. And that was really a thrill. And still is a thrill. So people have a real kind of ownership of that character that I love. I love it also. Like it's, it was remi- uh, one last thing. I'll let you go, Jen, because I'm just speaking out right now. But um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. But um, no, I I love like superheroes need that. Those, those movies do need a person we can be, I feel like. I feel like the appeal, what reminded me of you, like, I felt like your your character could as easily, could be lifted and be in The Boys on, um on you know, that, which is like, which it has that same kind of like, you have that attitude of, and it's a show I love, by the way. Me too. Um, and, me too. and it just, it, it, yeah. it, you were human. And so I just, I really, it, it's not I easy to do he got to. Tony Stark fulfills this to a certain extent, but he's also Iron Man. Someone has to be going, teasing people a little bit like, okay, Thor, settle down. Exactly. Like, someone has to roll their eyes at them occasionally. Sorry, Jenny, go. Like, I felt having watched, like, having watched all those movies just back to back, I always felt like your character was someone who was also, you were there for all the superheroes. Like, you were an advocate, like, you were so, so supportive yet you had depth to you. And I feel like a lot of the fans, because believe me, when I started live tweeting, I really got just a snippet of what you must feel like from Marvel fans. What, you know, like I tweet something during a live tweet, people are like, no, you don't understand. If you read episode, you know, whatever. But like your character was someone that was always there for them. It was always on their side. And I feel like that's the reason there was so much love. That's really smart. I I agree with that. I, I mean, thank you. I, 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 it was a chain letter that really brilliant writers and filmmakers kept adding to. Yeah. Like, script and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's funny. He's going to tase Tony Stark, um, Justin <laughs> Theroux. He's going to tase Tony Stark and uh, watch Super Nanny while he drools into the carpet. I'm like, I, I'm loving this guy more and more. And then Joss came in and Joss picked up on the thing, which is, oh, he's a huge fanboy. Snark aside, he's got playing cards. Sn- yeah. You know, but like, and that was part of the pitch. You know, when he said, "So maybe you're not dead." I was like, "Well, tell me, because I don't want to mess with anything cool that we did." And he said, "Oh no, he thinks he had a close call, but he was brought back from the underworld using fiendish technology that has left him permanently scarred." And I went, "Okay, if it's Orpheus, I'm in." That's wild. <laughs> you. What an interesting thing to say, though, about that chain letter, because it made me, I think what, I think what has separated, at least for me, the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the Star Wars Cinematic Universe is there is an over, there is a character, like people are building on things. And yeah, they'll take things that are flights of fancy, like WandaVision isn't like anything else and things like that. But, but it is consistent in the way like that I, I, I found, I, I had, for me, I I've enjoyed the Star Wars movies, but they never. This one felt like this guy. This one felt like Ryan Johnson. This one felt like so it says. And and they were reluctant to sort of pull. They they seemed to wipe the slate clean, so I couldn't. I couldn't attach to them as easily. I think 
personally. So the DC or the Star Wars, Star Wars stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, DC is its own. I mean, there's a the the monumental accomplishment of Kevin, Ludi Esposito, Victoria Alonso, the people at Marvel to have done this so consistently with, as Jenny, you just said such a discerning, knowledgeable fan base. who Because it's really cool. You go to a Comic-Con, I got parents and kids passing this thing they loved onto their kids. I've wow. got our TV show, which was very diverse. All of a sudden, I've got a bunch of Asian, Latina young women coming to look at the heroes that they do. And they've been really pushing in that direction to the, to the anger of some people on Twitter. May they go fuck off. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> and I think what they that that nimbleness is really I mean it's stories you can't be too reverent about them. It's just the right amount of reverent. But I have to say as a big time Star Wars fan, I mean I was there opening days as a 14 year old and I watched it twice in a row. Me too. I've loved seeing Boba Fett get a show. I love my friend Ming to see her oh. those shows um The Mandalorian but nothing prepared me for Andor. Andor is, uh, it's, I, I feel exactly the same way. It, because that's what you're waiting for. You've got this mythological template. Now break it down. Because yeah. here's one it doesn't have lightsabers, I don't think. It's yeah. very little the force. This is the people dealing with a fascist. Exactly. State, just in case anyone thinks that's pertinent at all. It, it was it, it it existed. I don't know. It was it's it's honestly the most human um, uh, of all of the Star Wars properties that I've seen. All it, 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 I it, very very moving. It was well written in a way that like you could have placed those characters with that struggle in a period drama in uh, you know nineteen forties or or a feudal drama. You know in you know. It, it, it all worked. It, it, great points. That's a great point. It could have been in Vichy, France. Yes, exactly. And 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 those and yeah, it was just it was. It, I was so shocked and moved by it, um, and just just brilliantly executed and written. Um, I feel yeah. the same way. Um, yeah. So that's so what why do you have. What do you have up next, Clark Greg? Um, thank you for asking. Um, I yeah. I had a busy a busy last year and a half, and things are just going to start to come out. So I did a really wonderful um, Netflix show. Uh, a couple of them. One is a series that comes out in I'm hearing April okay. called Florida Man by this terrific oh. writer Don Todd, and it's Edgar Ramirez and Abby Lee and. Emery Cohen, just wonderful actors. Um, um, my friend Michael Costigan and Jason Bateman, their company Aggregate, produced yeah. on Netflix. It's a kind of a noir comedy set in the kind of psychosis of Florida. Anthony LaPaglia, wonderful. Wow. Oh, wow. Really great, really great. I just uh, just watched the first episode and I'm kind of thrilled for people to see it. I did a, I did a great a, name also, Florida, man. It's just like it, it, you, yeah. you get it right away. So it's like, I, it's fantastic. And funny noir out of sight. It's my favorite. Yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. It's just yep. in that world, which I love so much. Yeah. Um, uh, I also did a, a, a thing that's 
I don't think I've told anyone to do it. I did this a really cool limited series called Painkiller from this wonderful producer, Eric Newman, and the director, Pete Berg. And it's from this novel, Empire of Pain, uh, not a novel, uh, a nonfiction book about the Sackler family. Oh, it's wow. About the, it's about the rise and fall of that family yeah. um, with a bunch of other storylines. Um uh, Matthew Broderick is in it. I play his uncle, the Arthur Sackler, the guy who started the whole thing. And oh, wow. uh, it jumps it back and forth into a couple of different timelines. And it's a really out there, wild, lyrical attempt, um, kind of Shakespearean to me, but in a really funny, pulpy way at this family losing their mind. Yeah. And, and the, 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 you know, the compromises and the, I mean, the shit, it's really, it's, I, I'm I'm in on that. I've been following all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's a really going to be on Netflix. As well? was, that's on Netflix. And okay. I'm not sure when. But like very different than the brilliant Dope Sick. Yeah, the book I read and was fascinated by, and Michael Keaton was amazing in. This is a very different way into that world because it's a. I don't think you can tell this story enough because it's so. It's such an interesting take on the way kind of greed warps morals and yeah. late stage capitalism and mass murder yes and sexy and fun you're gonna love it yeah i know it's super <laughs> sexy and fun oh well we'll look, we'll look forward to those two things that's that, that's that sounds great um shen should we move to our the you know the our our, our uh our, our viewing yeah, we usually uh, talk about the things we're watching that we're not a part of and are jealous of. Usually, <laughs> and um, um, trying to think what I. But you go first. I'll, I'll try and remember. You want me to go first? No, I want Clark. I, I know I want Clark. you guys to go first. Well, I'll go. I mean, obviously, I've been watching like a new movie every day. That's an old movie. Oh, yes. but I've been live tweeting. Yes, <laughs> which has been incredibly enjoyable. But I'll say of the new, like the new things, I just watched Tar. Have you all seen that? Yes. Is it great? Hey, she's fantastic in it. Like, I thought it was, her performance was absolutely brilliant. I, Wakanda forever, just watch that. But that made me so sad. (laughs) That was such an emotional movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I I figured it would be, but literally I was just in tears through the whole movie. It was, but it was really well done. It was like super beautiful film. And as far as the series goes, I still I'm I'm into Poker Face right now with Natasha Leone. Oh, I gotta see that. Have you seen that one yet, Clark? I yes, those two writers, uh, the head, the showrunners, um, Nora and Lila Zuckerman, were two of the main writers on Shield. Really, and I love them. They're terrific. And I just watched two episodes with my daughter, and I uh, love love it. Great, like yeah. oh my gosh, here's a novel idea: a new case every week, like I grew up with. Of course, they, yeah, it's like yeah. Every city she goes to, it's like oh my god, so there's going to be a murder. But this <laughs> this fifth episode that just uh, came out had uh, Judith Light oh. and um, uh, S. Epatha. I always forget how to say her oh, name. Yeah, S. yeah. I, I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, it's Rita from Pee Wee's Playhouse. And then my sister was like, she was on Law and Order forever, Jenny, you fucking moron. <laughs> but um fantastic like it's it's really highly entertaining so i definitely recommend that okay i'll check it out what about you you danny no i want to hear what clark has to say and i'll finish well he talked about andor i fanboyed out almost till i exploded um (laughs) watch this 
I loved Severance like nobody's business. Oh man, I really loved Severance. Just so blown away by that cast and what Ben Stiller did there. Powering achievement. Really, just in, it got weirder and deeper, and it just pulled me deeper and deeper in. Um, my problem is, I'm like, you'll say something, and I'm like, oh my god, that's my favorite show. But I, <laughs> um, I, I've been liking Poker Face. Um, yeah. What else? Say some more, and I'll tell you. Oh, Mary, well, well, what I, I love. I haven't watched. Ago. Yeah, I haven't watched yet, but I want to. Is Shrinking? I haven't. I haven't watched I've that. Yet. I haven't seen it yet either. I've got so many friends on it. I need to watch it. So. Yeah, I definitely, I want to check that one out. Um, I'll go with one that is such a weird show. It's funny though. It made me laugh, but she's a, it, you, it's a, I don't believe anybody would stop watching it. It's a, on Netflix right now. It's called Kunk on Earth. It, it's oh, this, I just saw that on the, in the thing. It's this British woman who is aggressively stupid and arrogant interviewing the great mind, like taking us through like the history of the earth. And she interviews some of the great minds in each field, but is she pretty much borats them. I think some of them are in on the joke, but it's just her, her take on it. Like talking to like an American historian about like, I forgot what she, I forgot the lead into it, but she was talking about um, uh, how, so like America's beef with the British was like, you know, the way they, you know, they were, you know, they, they didn't want to pay taxes and then they ran away. And it's like, do you, and she posted, it's like, do you think that's, do you think that the, the natural cowardice we see in Americans today is from that? Like, like she's constantly insulting things. She, she talking to an astronomer, just absolutely like convinced that the moon uh, landing wasn't real or the moon itself isn't real. She equates everything to her ex-boyfriend. And then for some reason, in every single episode, manages to segue into uh, Pump Up the Jam by the Belgian group. She's like, it's like the, in the history and plays almost the entire video of Pump Up the Jam with things that are going on. So it's very bizarre. And, and, and some of it is very cringy, but she's very funny. So I've been watching that. Yeah, that goes right to the top of my queue. Yeah. I did see Tar. I did see Tar. That director was one of the other actors in the Roland Joffe movie in Mexico. Todd really? Many, many years oh, ago. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. It I was like it watching out. her character just take world this. And yeah, she's not, I mean, I'm confused by many parts of it, but I just, the filmmaking was spectacular. I couldn't, I can't stop thinking about it. I also saw, I've seen a bunch of the movies. I thought, um, I laughed harder than anybody else in the theater when I went to see Triangle of Sadness. Oh my God. Well, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, I, I, there's some, there's parts of that movie. That, first of all, the opening of that movie is, yes. is the, the bit, well, first of all, the bit about the modeling, the bit about the check and about picking up the check was, I, I thought that was some of the most brilliantly written. It's such a tragedy that woman died. Um, uh, no. But, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. All Quiet on Western Front is spectacularly beautiful and one of the hardest things I've ever watched. But just Which one? All Quiet on the Western Front, the German. Oh, is it good? Oh, it's magnificent. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, well, those are good. Sad? Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. It's a brutal anti-war <laughs> one, but just gorgeous. 
There's are, there are a lot of fun movies about World War One in particular. It's, it's, no, and I mean, I love, I love the. Should economy. be. I love it, but it gets to be this time of year, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. I have the bandwidth to take on all the sadness. I know. <laughs> so it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, Clark, man, thank you. It's such a it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, likewise, likewise. So many friends in common, and you, you know, everybody speaks. You have a very good reputation in this town. I'll just say, people like you. Give me yeah. another six months. I'm tearing it all down. Oh, I can't. Yeah, now <laughs> burn it down. Burn yeah, it to burn the it down. Now's your chance to say something racist if you feel like it right now. Yeah. We always like to give our guests a chance. Uh, I feel like I don't need to take that on because yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so much competition. Yeah, you realize. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're getting you're getting lost. So, like, no impact. But we have two. You got two Netflix things coming out soon. TBD. So we'll look okay. out for those. We'll look out Danny? for those and we'll link them when they come out. Thank you. Yes. Daniel, what do you have? God, I have nothing right now. Well, aren't you going to DC? Oh, I'm going to DC to oh, to, to feature for the great Jenny Johnson. What are those dates again, Jenny? Uh, that would be April 6th through the 8th at the okay. DC Improv. Get I will tickets. be just we'll back that. from New Zealand. I will be just back from Sydney. Boom. Oh my God! Look at us. Look at us. We're international. Um, blood from down under. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a lot. Is separately. Well, um, yeah. Well, th thank you, Clark, for everything. Thanks for having me. Really a pleasure to talk yeah. to you guys. And uh, um, so we're going to say goodbye, but you're going to stick around because we're going to take a quick picture. But thank you, Doing It Nation, for sticking with us all these years. Yes, thank you. Love y'all. Tune in next week. And eventually we'll figure out how to end this show definitively. Yeah, we've yet to. I mean, how many years have we been doing play the song again? It's a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> we need a closing song. That's what I will do it. Okay. You oh, well, just you heard. heard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what we should do is ask you. A really sad it. version of it, like the sad version. <laughs> you know. Anyway, thanks again. Thank you. All right. We're dead.